inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy and teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, you are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. Live in life like it matters. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, we all have life. You're alive or you wouldn't be listening to me. You know, when we uh, find someone, we fall in love and we co-create and we have a child, we create life. It is one of the greatest things that we get to do in this world is we create life. And that life has great value, whether that life becomes a president, whether that life becomes a mom or a dad, whether that life becomes a a producer at a local radio station, whether that life becomes a leadership coach or speaker, God says all life has value. Matter of fact, if you want to go back to the the book, Bible, right? Basic instruction before leaving earth. That's what the Bible stands for, basic instruction before leaving earth. Uh, God made uh, a covenant with man after the flood. I think it's Genesis 7. It might be. I'm pretty sure it is. If you go back and look at it. So when Noah and his family, after a year on that ark, they landed God made a new covenant. And what a covenant is, if you read it, it says all life will have an accounting. There will be account for all life, animal life, human life, because it's all a creation of God. And so today, uh, I know it's going to surprise some of you, but we go deep. <laughs> We're going to go real deep. We're going to talk about the untalkable, uh, and it needs to be talked about. So today we're going to be joined by a special guest, and today we're going to go deep into the news of the day. Uh, And yes, abortion is one of the hottest topics of the day. In the middle of this hot-button issue is another battle regarding the abortion pill, the abortion kill pill, they call it. Many believe that this is a huge step in making things easier, while many believe this is a huge step in a more troubling direction. So today I'm going to be joined by Dr. Ingrid Scott. Uh, she's Director of Medical Affairs at the Lozier Institute. And we're going to discuss the medical and social implications of this process of ending a pregnancy. And today, I, I know it's going to sound a little silly, uh, and I really don't mean it to, but today, the topic, to pill or not to pill, because that seems to be the question. You know, it really comes down to the camel's nose. When you go back to the, I think it was 1973, Roe v. Wade. And by the way, I just want to highly recommend Jonathan Kahn's book. I'm not getting any money for this. I'm not getting any kudos for this. I have don't know Jonathan Kahn, but I do know the truth. Uh, and Jonathan Kahn's book, The Return of the Gods, uh, really breaks down what happened where the Canaanite gods of Molech and Baal and Asheroth were uh, were basically uh, kicked out. They were uh, removed. And Jesus came on the scene, and Yahweh and the way came. See, Yahweh, the way, the way came. 
And all of a sudden, there was no place for the gods of Baal, the gods of Molech, and the god of Ashraf or Ishtar or whatever you want to call her, Venus. There was a door that opened up, and that door created a slippery slope, and we call it a camel's nose. You know the camel's nose if you listen to the show. If you haven't, let me remind you. One cold night as an Arab sat in his tent, a camel gently thrust his nose under the flap and looked in. Master, he said, let me put my nose in your tent, for it is very cold and stormy out here. The Arab, wanting to be nice, said, by all means, and welcome, as he turned over and went to sleep. A little later, the uh, uh, Arab was awoken to find that the camel had not only put his nose in the tent, but his head and his neck were also now in the tent. The tent was a very small one-person tent. The camel who had been turning his head from side to side said, I, I will take but a little more room if I, if I place my forelegs within the tent. It's really cold out here, and, and my legs are shivering, and I might fall and then hurt you and hurt the tent, so it's difficult standing out there. So may I please uh, put more forelegs uh, in the tent? Yes, you may put your forelegs within, said the Arab, moving a little closer to the edge of the tent away so to make room. For again, the tent was very small. After falling asleep, again, the Arab was woken up. And again, the camel said, may I, may I, may I move a little bit more inside? May I not stand wholly inside? I, I, I keep the tent open by standing as I do. And the Arab just wanted to go to sleep. He's tired. He's cold. Yes, 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 said the Arab. Come, come wholly inside. I'll just squeeze and roll up against the tent over here. Perhaps it will be better for both of us. So finally, the camel crowded in. The Arab, with great difficulty, the crowded quarters again, finally fell asleep. After a while, he found himself very cold, very chilly, wind blowing on him, and he woke again. As he looked around, he noticed he was no longer inside the tent. He was outside in the cold, and the camel had the tent to himself. You see, the camel's nose is a metaphor used to describe a situation where small, slightly unacceptable situations permitted, thereby opening the door for continual worsening until it eventually slides into an out-of-control and undesirable situation. Other expressions of the same ilk include, you know, give them an inch and they'll take a mile. The domino effect, the slippery slope. You know, the camel's nose is very similar to the concept of the boiling frogs, right? You put a live frog in a pot of boiling water and that creature, as stupid as it is, is going to jump out because it's hot. But if you take that same frog and you put it in a lukewarm pot of water and you slowly bring it to a boil, I've been told that you might have a need for some garlic butter. See, the camel's nose refers to small liberties giving way to a gradual worsening situation. The boiling frog is allowing something to happen slowly enough so the impact isn't noticed at all. There's the difference. And as Khan talks about in his book, first, we kicked the word of God out of the school. A lot of people don't know this, but the word of God for hundreds of years was the foundational book in school. Children read it every day. It was right over the intercom. People prayed every day. We were a blessed country. And then we kicked God out of the classroom. And we kicked the word of God out. And then we made it illegal to pray. 
And then the teachers couldn't pray, and even the students couldn't pray. And then we decided that it was a, a right that the Ten Commandments could no longer uh, be displayed, even though they're in the Supreme Court, they're, they're right there. And then we realized that, hey, there's a right in there to, to kill a baby that you don't want. And just so you know, abortion is nothing new. And what do you think the, in the Israelites used to do when they, when they prayed to Baal or Molech? Many Israeli kings, unfortunately, Judah kings, put their children into the fire of Molech. And why did they put their children in the fire? To make their lives easier, so that God would bless them, so they'd be less burdened, so they'd be more profitable, so they'd have more fun. It's no different today. And so whether whatever side you're on, what happened is we started allowing a little bit, and now we got this kill pill. It's a big deal, and I'm not the one to talk about it, but Dr. Scott with the Lozier Institute is gonna be here to talk about it. She filled an abacus briefing with the Supreme Court, uh, with the court on this, not the Supreme Court, sorry, it's not there yet, hopefully it gets there. But there's an interesting thing going on, there's dueling court cases, there's lots of things battling, and Miss, uh, Miss Scott is right in the middle. Because you got a federal judge in Amarillo, Texas, who says one thing, a Trump appointee, and then you got a different judge, Thomas Rice, an Obama appointee in Spokane, Washington, saying two totally different things. And so now there's dueling court cases. And our next guest is going to tell you what's going on and why it matters. So stay tuned, because after the break, we're going to have Dr. Scott joining us. I'm Black, and we'll be right back. Here's a real student testimonial from Like It Matters Leadership Awakening Training. The way we met Scott was through an answered prayer. We had a a business associate who recommended a leadership training process. Initially, you know, I had been through uh, just a series of all kinds of leadership training and felt like I had been trained as much as I possibly could. You know, we went and went hesitantly. But the one thing, it would have to be consistent with my faith. And uh, it was your awakening class. And uh, that class was absolutely not only uh, the the answer to prayers, uh, business, but personally. It gave us the tools and it gave us the foundation to be able to really formalize and verbalize our values. Leadership Awakening is coming to a location near you. Details at likeitmatters.net. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, like it matters. Inspiration, education, and application. And ladies and gentlemen, as leaders, we are hope peddlers. I really believe the number one commodity of a leader is hope. And today we live in a world that is helpless and hopeless. Today, there's pandemics of loneliness. There's pandemics uh, of depression, of suicide, of PTSD. It was Dr. Viktor Frankl who said, between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is our power. It is our freedom. We have choice. And what hopeless says is that today is terrible and tomorrow is going to be no better. But what hope says is no matter how bad today is, that tomorrow can be better. And in one of his journals, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, I think it was in 1823, so 100 years ago, said, imagine hope to be removed from the human breast 
and see how society will sink, how the strong bands of order and improvement will be relaxed, and what a death-like stillness would take the place of the restless energies that now move the world. The, st- the scholar will extinguish his midnight lamp. The merchant will furl his white sails and bid them seek the deep no more. The anxious patriot who stood out for his country to the last and devised in the last beleaguered citadel profound schemes for its deliverance and aggrandizement will sheath his sword and blot his fame. Remove hope and the world becomes a blank and rottenness. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a need of life. We need air. We need water. We need food. And we need hope. And there is a tragedy happening. Millions of children are being aborted. And we open the door. But now there's a way to make it easier to so people don't even have to see a doctor to where things are just shipped in the mail, where people are being coerced into do things that they don't even know they're doing. And this is important. This is a call right now, to wake-up call. And our guest is on the front line of this battle. Our guest is putting her, her, her life, her liberty, her value, everything she's doing on the line. And our guest is, we're so blessed to have her. Her name is Dr. Ingrid Scott the Director of Medical Affairs at the Lozier Institute. She's a practicing board-certified OBGYN who has delivered more than 5,000 babies and has personally treated many abortion pill-related complications. Dr. Scott is a, is a Christian. So we start there. The, what's your worldview? She is a Christian, a follower of the risen Christ, pro-life OBGYN. She can speak about the abortion kill pill and there's dueling orders. She'll talk about these dueling orders that came down April 7th. She believes that it should be banned nationally, the pill, and sides with the pro-life judge in Amarillo, Texas. And what's impressive is she was part of creating a 57-page amicus brief from the Charlotte Lozier Institute, and it was cited six times by this judge. And not only has Dr. Scott delivered over 5,000 babies, she's also prefer, uh, performed, I think it's at least 12 surgeries, on women who have suffered consequences, complications from the abortion kill pill. And so the Lozier Institute amicus brief was based on the extensive research in part by Dr. Ingrid Scott. Uh, and uh, she is a fellow of the American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. And she is our guest. And we are very blessed to welcome Dr. Ingrid Scott to Like It Matters Radio. How are you doing, doctor? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Scott. I'm excited to be here to talk about this. Uh- Oh, I'm, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm 57 years old. I don't know. It doesn't matter how old you are, but I'm sure we're somewhere around that same age. And I got to be honest with you, Dr. Scott, when, when I was younger, I've always been conservative, always been a quote, a Christian. I was part of the college Republicans, you know, of Nevada and the state Republicans and the college Republicans at UNLV. Uh, but, you know, a lot of my young life, and I'm not proud of this. I was of the pro-choice type of thing, you know, to each their own, you know, it's a different world. But as I got closer to God and I became a daddy and I realized what God calling us to do, I'm embarrassed to say I was ever, ever pro-choice because it's really not pro-choice. That child has no choice at all. The child has no hope. And so I am so blessed and so happy that you're joining with us and talking about this really important issue. First, would you mind just telling me a little bit about yourself, your background, if you don't mind? 
No, not at all. Um, and, you know, what you just said, I think, is true of so many people, including American Christians. One recent uh, survey said that 44% of Christians thought the Bible was ambiguous about abortion. Wow. And so many people assume, because they're told and, they're, and, they're, and they're, there's this gaslighting that's going on that women need abortion. So, of course, they're yeah. thinking, well, these poor women. But, you yeah. know, there's, there's a number of reasons, of course, that it's only harmful and very, you know, not helpful for these women. But um, yeah. my story is that I grew up in a pro-life family. My father's a pediatrician. I'm the oldest of of six children, so very, very um, uh, welcomed all children into their home, which was beautiful. And my work as an obstetrician, of course, has led me to love the unborn human. He's a quite a miraculous uh, creation. And and but <laughs> over the years, I recognized that just more and more women, if you could talk to them about their abortions, even twenty years later, sometimes they would break down in tears. This is not something that women ever desire and in so many cases it's it can be physically harmful emotionally harmful harmful for their mental health harmful for their social lives i mean we see that men are running the other way when an unintended pregnancy occurs rather than coming alongside the woman whose child they are their child she's carrying um, to support her so there's just, you know, so many things that abortion uh, allows this, this bad behavior to continue and has led to women to um, be in so many um, uh, drastic uh, circumstances. Um, so that's, that's why I do what I do. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah, you moved. And, you know, I, I do leadership training. I've been doing it for 31 years. It's very intensive. It's life-altering. And my son, I have four children. Uh, my uh, my oldest son uh, is Christian. He's 22. And uh, he uh, sends all his friends to my training, two and a half days. And I had this uh, uh, a beautiful woman who went through my training. I don't know if it was a friend of his or an ex-girlfriend or something. But she was incredibly stunning, intelligent. She was a um, straight-A student. I mean, you looked at her. She looked like a, you know, almost like a Cleopatra type, just beautiful and all that. And she was just shutting down, had no drive in life, had nothing. She went through my training and she did well to open her up. And then she asked for some, if, if I wouldn't mind working with her one-on-one, -on -one, I offered my, my help to her. And what it came down to, uh, that she had basically, here's this incredible woman with everything in front of her, but she had no drive. She was depressed, suicide, all this. And what it came down to, she finally let me know that, um, a couple years ago, she had gotten pregnant with her boyfriend and got an abortion. And uh, sh the shame, the guilt, uh, she lost her desire to live anymore, to, to move, in, to do anything. And to see this woman, she had everything, top of life. She could go anywhere she wanted. And she, she lost all because she regretted. If she said if she could go back and do it over, she would never, ever, ever make that decision and she's she's 22 years old 23 years old and man already her life's destroyed so it people th brush it off like it's no big deal but it's a big deal and before we get in the meat and taters of this tell us a little bit about the is it the Lozier Institute am I saying that correctly 
Yes, uh, thank you for asking. Um, so the Lozier Institute is uh, the research arm of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, and our mission is science and statistics on the life issue. So we, we address, of course, chemical abortion and other abortion complications, but many other aspects. Um, and we believe that data is crucial. So rather than taking our word or relying on an emotional argument, um, everything that we say is very well referenced in the peer review literature. And so un unlike the other side that relies upon euphemisms, and gaslighting and um, um, we just provide data to people to support their pro-life position because it can be supported by science um, starting with the fact that um, the, the fetal human being is living and so any abortion ends a human life and so we need to start approaching the, um, the conversation from the standpoint of what sort of situations should allow us to take human life. Um, Amen. So LozierInstitute.org for, for more information. Amen. But you hit something so well, and this is where, see, I'm a, you know, a layman psychologist, psychotherapist. I play one on weekends. I always joke with people. I don't have a license, but uh, I, I, I've done it for a while. But, you know, we've been lied to for so long, and so we don't know what to believe anymore. Follow the science. We've heard it for you. Follow the science. Follow the science. So I'm going to ask you a simple question. i got to see if your medical certificate is accurate. How many genders are there, ma'am? <laughs> there are, of yeah. course, two genders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and when does life begin, ma'am? <laughs> It begins at the moment of fertilization when a sperm penetrates Absolutely. an egg to create a zygote. Absolutely. That's science. That is science. And we can't even agree with that. And it showed, I, I looked it up, and they actually photographed, microscopically photographed a, a, a fertilization of an egg, of a frog. And they saw the fireworks go off. Uh, and they said it was like a firework explosion, that life begins at conception. But here's why, because I deal with belief systems. I deal a lot with the logical levels. And what happens is you have this belief system that they can't challenge. Because if you admit that life begins at conception, then you are a murderer if you're okay with abortion. And since no one, everybody's a good person, I would never be okay with murder, then I can't believe that life begins at conception. Otherwise, my belief in it's okay to get an abortion would make me a bad person, would make me a murderer. I know that's really what's going on. It's the structure of belief systems. And by the time we're six years old, Dr. Adler said, a majority of our map reality is in place. Uh, and so that's why they're going after our kids. That's why they're programming them. And I really believe this is a, a battle. It's fifth generation warfare on the narrative. And what you're dealing with, doctor, is the narrative. And after the break, uh, Dr. Scott, I want to go into the narrative. Tell us what's going on, the dueling court cases and, and about the amicus brief. So please stay with us. Today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking about the abortion kill pill with Dr. Scott. We'll be back after these commercial messages. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project. Hey, can we get that backhoe over here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work 
and how to function at a higher level. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life, along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. Today on Like It Matters Radio, we're getting deep, we're getting real, because life matters. And when I say when you live your life like it matters, what is the it reference? The it is your life. We're all given the gift of life. The God of the universe came down and breathed life into this carbon-based life form and said, live. And he gave us a reason. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for hope in the future. For you are God's masterpiece, created in advance with good works, a new creation in Christ Jesus. See, the Charlotte Lozer Institute was launched in 2011 as the education research arm of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. CLI is a hub for research and public policy analysis on some of the most pressing issues facing the United States and nations around the world. The Institute is named for a feminist physician known for a commitment to the sanctity of human life and uh, an equal career to educational opportunities for women. Now, Dr. Ingrid Skop is Director of Medical Affairs at the Lozier Institute. So not only is she an OBGYN, she's delivered 5,000 babies, she's did a dozen surgeries on people with complications. Her research was also used as one of the main parts for this 57-page amicus brief that was filed in the court of law. And so we are so blessed to have Dr. Ingrid Scott with us. Again, thank you so much, Ingrid. We can't thank you enough for what you're doing. Thank you, Scott. Glad to be here. So tell us now, a lot of people don't know, a lot of people avoid abortion at all costs. For a lot of people I know, my Christian friends, it's the number one issue. They vote based on that, but I got to be honest with you, too many Christians don't even want to talk about it. They ignore it. So there's dueling law cases going on. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, And before I discuss the legal, um, let me discuss Mm -hmm. the medical, uh, because I think it'll help you to understand. So chemical abortion, it's not the same as emergency contraception. Some people get confused. Emergency contraception or plan B tries to delay ovulation to to prevent fertilization. But a chemical abortion is performed when we know that an unborn life exists. So it's intense. Dr. Scott, so... I'm sorry, Dr. Scott, was that the RU486, whatever the, the other thing you were talking about? Right. So there's there's two pills um, that the FDA, okay. the chemical abortion regimen, consists of. Mifepristone, okay. um, its name in France is RU486, and it blocks okay. the progesterone receptor. So it cuts off the hormonal support and kills the embryo or the fetus. It's followed in 24 hours by mesoprostol that essentially induces labor, and that expresses oh, wow. the pregnancy tissue. And... Mm. Um, 
Um, it doesn't always work. Um, you know, the abortion industry wow. says this is safer than Tylenol, but this is a very dishonest comparison that we, we can talk about later if we have time. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, good studies show that probably at least one out of 20 women who tries to have a chemical abortion, her body cannot express all the tissue, and she requires surgery, often in emergent circumstances. The Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine lawsuit against the FDA alleges, um, appropriately, I think, that the FDA broke its own rules, that it never should have approved the chemical abortion regimen, particularly the mifepristone, which is the tightly regulated component of that, um, and that it did it for political reasons. Um, Mm. In 2000, under President Clinton, it was approved, but the category was that reserved for life-threatened drugs that treat life-threatening illnesses for which there is no other treatment available. And of course, pregnancy is almost never life-threatening. And in the 1990s, there were a million to a million and a half surgical abortions every year. So there was another option. And as we've discovered, chemical abortions have easily four times the complications of surgical abortions. So they approved a much more um, uh, inappropriate and more dangerous regimen. Um, They did not do studies in pediatric population, but there is no lower age limit. A 12-year-old can get these pills. Um, subsequently, yeah, there, uh, believe me, it gets worse. Let me tell wow. you, in 2016, under President Obama, they loosened the restrictions. They approved it at higher gestational ages where it fails more frequently. They said it no longer needs a doctor. Although, of course, only a doctor oh. can do the surgery if it fails. In fact, they said, we don't even want to hear about complications unless it kills a woman. And then if that's not bad enough in 2021 under our current president and using the COVID pandemic as an excuse, they removed all in-person supervision. So this allows it to be prescribed by telemedicine, but also to be ordered online, delivered through the mail without any medical supervision. So women aren't required to have an ultrasound, which of course would accurately determine the gestational age to see if it would work. In the second trimester, 38% of women fail and need surgery, four out of 10. Um, It doesn't rule out an ectopic pregnancy, which can be life-threatening, and women have died from ruptured tubes and catastrophic hemorrhage. And and you can't know if you have an ectopic pregnancy without an ultrasound. It doesn't do labs. It doesn't try to prevent future pregnancy complications by providing Rogam to Rh-negative women. And also, we don't even have any way of verifying that the person ordering those pills is the one who wants an abortion. So sex traffickers, incest Jewish abusers, coercive boyfriends can now get access to these pills and provide unwanted abortions to women. So all of that is going on right now. So that is what this this lawsuit wow. is five medical organizations and about five individual physicians that have sued the FDA and said, you know, your job is to protect the American public. You are not protecting women by allowing these egregious um, uh, protocols. And um, so going to the legal, um, uh, Judge Kazmarek in Amarillo clearly was um, convinced by our arguments. And so he said, absolutely, it should have never been approved. And he placed a nationwide injunction. However, of course, it was appealed to the Fifth Circuit and a partial um, group, I believe three judges from the Fifth Circuit, said, you know, this is pretty compelling, but why don't we back it up to its initial um, protocol, which was fairly tightly regulated, um, but to allow it to be used, but to be, uh, allow it to be used under 
um, strict supervision. And then, unfortunately, it was appealed to the um, Supreme Court. I don't think they had enough time to look at the data. So they actually said, let's don't do anything about mifepristone right now. Let's allow it to continue to be used, but let's have this trial proceed. So the trial is going to be happening this month. And I believe as the data comes out and if the media are honest, which is a big <laughs> if, and allow the American people to see the data, to see how frequent the complications are, to see how many women are harmed, um, then hopefully you know, over time, we'll see either very tight restrictions placed back on mifepristone and, and mesoprostol, or we'll see mifepristone taken off the market entirely. You know, it's stunning. As I sit here, I'm a person, but I was a, I was a, a scrub nurse in the Army. I was a 91 Delta in the Army. I was 30 years ago, but I was a scrub nurse, so I had to go through the basic medical stuff, training and all that. Uh, and uh, just stuns me with all this, what you just said to me. But here's the problem. We've been hearing for so long, follow the science, follow the science, but there was a word left out, and you hit it. Follow the political science. See, science has been replaced now by politics, uh, and it, it doesn't matter. I mean, look at the LGBTQT thing. Uh, we're allowing kids uh, decisions that they can't have consensual sex. They can't drive a car. They can't, uh, they can't sign a contract, mm -hmm. but they can agree to become a medical experiment for the rest of their life. Uh, that, that's just yeah. stunning. And so uh, when I think about what you're doing, first of all, my heart goes out to you because you are you're pushing uphill. You are going against a society that's getting further and further away from God and godly values. You're, you're, you said the media is going to be fair. Uh, the media is going to be fair. The media has claimed ownership of the Democratic Party. I mean, they, they pick sides. You, you know this. The media was originally created as the fourth estate. You had the three forms of government and the media was supposed to overwatch, kind of bring light to make sure everybody's operating functionally but now they join one of the teams and so they're no longer part of the fourth estate they're now part of the government the deep state and so this is the problem you're getting people get their news from these other people and it's based on feelings uh it, it's sad and you know by the way i wanted to let you know my son-in-law uh, son uh, my daughter i have my oldest is a daughter uh, her uh husband is uh, a doctor so he just graduated uh, uh, medical school and he's actually going to Columbus uh, Ohio uh, and starting his uh, doctor resident whatever that's called he's graduating and all that so he's in the medical field as well he's doing emergency medicine so uh, he doesn't even like and he's a Christian he doesn't even like to talk about any of this stuff with me so you got a Christian who's a doctor that doesn't even want to talk to me about it. he feels uncomfortable talking about it so what you're doing it is phenomenal. Uh, after the break, we're going to go into the lawsuit more and more and more. But what's your hope? Uh, what do you, what's your hope as you're in the middle of this battle? You got to have some type of hope, something you're looking for. What is that hope? Yeah, you know, I mean, thank you for pointing out because it has been it has been a very difficult journey, and there has been immense personal cost to take the yeah. the um, uh, the stands that I've taken. But I feel yeah. very hopeful that when we can let the American people see the reality of the harms of abortion, and particularly as we're discussing chemical abortion, that the American people, I think. We'll recognize this is not this is not care for women. And so I, I really think if they can see it. And so that's why your program is so important. I mean, every opportunity I have to 
talk to people and then maybe they can tell a friend and maybe they can look at the Lozier website. We have uh, numerous pages um, devoted to abortion drug facts. Um, so we, we've got a lot of data there, but just people's eyes have got to be opened to all these things, to the mutilation of children, like you mentioned. Unfortunately, my profession needs to wake up. Um, so many doctors say they're pro-choice, but you know what? Only approximately 10% of obstetricians will perform an abortion. So even though they oh, wow. they turn the other way and they and they and they and they oppose people like me, but at the same time they don't want to get their hands dirty. But the motivation yep. behind this is I mean we could just go into details, but there's yeah. population control, there's eugenics. Um, and we're going to talk. We're getting ready to go to a hard break, doctor. So stay with me. We've got one last break. Uh, we're talking to uh, Dr. Ingrid Scott, and we're talking about the abortion pill. We'll be back after these commercial messages. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. You've had a difference in your relationship with God, too. Tell me about that. Um, yeah, I was I was raised in a church uh, and I kind of stepped away uh, in, in my adult life. And this class kind of brought me right back to, to my faith. And that's a huge, huge part of my life that's just been missing. And I just, I, I feel rejuvenated if that makes sense that, you know, knowing that God's walking right next to me every day, every night, you know, he's right here for me and everyone else for that matter. But he's here for, for me right yeah. now. And you have some peace, don't you? Oh, it's, it's, it's really amazing. Sorry, I'm going to get emotional. That's okay. but it's, 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 it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling inside my heart. Like It Matters' unique approach allows people to see, hear, and experience leadership in motion. Like It Matters Radio. Radio Like It Matters. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio Like It Matters. Inspiration, education, and application. Today, we're focused on life. And we are so blessed to have Dr. Ingrid Skop. Uh, she serves as Director of Medical Affairs at the Lozier Institute. She's a practicing board-certified OBGYN, delivered over 5,000 babies, and also understands the complications of abortion pill-related problems because she's had to operate on a dozen or so people. So again, Dr. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, I want to talk about what you had said in this last segment about the consequences because it's this abortion pill is being put up off as this easy thing, simple. And matter of fact, I remember last year there were young w girls or women uh, on TV uh, with CNN and NBC and saying, I just took my abortion pill and they're celebrating. They're actually celebrating so happy they popped their pills on live TV and and they're celebrating it. And I want to read a quote from Dr. James Stadnicki, I think is his name. Uh, he's part of your group there. He's the vice president of data Analy uh, Anal analytics, I think. Sorry about that. And he said this quote, the safety of chemical abortion is greatly exaggerated. The largest and best available U.S. data shows that abortion pill related emergency room visits have skyrocketed more than 500 percent. Many of those abortion pill related complications are being miscoded as natural miscarriages, which masks the true impact of the abortion pill and also makes those women twice as likely to be admitted for surgery for retaining retained products of conception. Quote, the increasing dominance of chemical abortion is, is 
this disproportionate contribution to emergency room morbidity is a serious public health threat, and the real-world data suggests the threat is growing. This is a big deal, and it's no one's even reporting it. Is that what I'm reading here? It is a big deal. It's important to recognize that there is nothing about abortion data reporting the numbers, the complications, or the deaths that is mandatory in the United States. So wow. the, the data that comes to our attention is just that 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 trickles in. But to counteract that, women are women are ashamed. They fall into this action in crisis. They just want to get it behind them. And think about it. And then when they have a complication, um, many times they won't even tell the emergency room doctors. That's part oh, of the problem right. with the miscoding. But, you know, I've talked to women and um, they've told me, Dr. Scop, I, I think that this complication is what I deserved for the action oh. I've taken. So so these oh. women, the, this is this is the women that are being hurt. They, they, they can order it online. They don't get the opportunity to know that there's 2,700 crisis pregnancy centers where they can go for emotional support, for material support, for relationship counseling. Most women, if they had the support of the father of the baby, would not choose abortion. They would, oh. um, they would choose their baby because hormonally, every woman is primed to bond with that unborn child so when a woman chooses this action she's she's it's a it's a violent act against her own self and um and and jim is absolutely right the the when the the uh, record uh, records linkage study that he's talking about is where you know every abortion that occurs and you can see what happens afterwards but unfortunately the fda relies on studies from the abortion industry where of course they sugarcoat the data and they only tell about the complications they know about well here's what happens they tell women it's safer than tylenol uh they're dishonestly comparing deaths from tylenol overdoses which of course a woman assumes oh it's as safe as taking tylenol for a headache they tell her it'll be like a heavy period no the average woman bleeds heavily for two weeks many for more than a month um that she'll have cramping 40 percent of the women in one survey described the cramping the pain as severe and no one tells them that around nine to ten weeks if they look in the toilet they're gonna see their baby he's about Uh, the size and shape of a gummy bear he's clearly identifiable as a human uh, being and so there are women in our country suffering in silence who've been through that experience even when they have complications like i say they don't they don't want to sue the doctor they don't want to they don't want to tell anyone they just they just want to keep it to themselves and move on and um Mm. so that that is the that is the situation for so many women Oh, that's so sad. And that was the, I've, I've counseled, you know, I'm a counselor as well. I've counseled so many people when I got down to it, like I told you this one lady, it was the shame, like you said, it was the guilt and she's a professing Christian and she knew it was wrong. Uh, and this is where I think the, the, the prince of the power of the air is working because there has been a war on men too. Men have been told they don't matter. Men have been told they're the problem for everything. And if you're, you know, today I'm a white male Christian. My president thinks I'm the biggest threat to my country. I mean, I'm the biggest threat to my country. I've never been arrested. I've never, I'm a, I give, if I have a dollar and someone needs it, I'll give it away. I help thousands of people daily, and yet I'm the biggest threat to my country, and I served it and was willing to die for it. And yet yeah. that's the politics. And see, this is what's going on in the field that we're in. I mean, I look at Pennsylvania, and, and the perfect example is the John Fetterman campaign. Uh, you know, here's Oprah Winfrey that goes there, and here's her good friend, Dr. Oz, who's been with 20 years, but she's says you got to vote for that guy who 
we know was not medically able to do the job and has proven since he got elected. But that was all about abortion, doctor. You know that. Mm-hmm. That was all yeah. about an abortion vote. And Oprah said, we need this abortion vote. I really believe that all Americans care about today in, in whole, not individuals like us, is consequence-free sex. And really, that's what abortion comes down to. It's mm-hmm. consequence-free sex. I mean, if you get down to it, I hate to make, oversimplify things, uh, but that's what it's about. I should be able to have sex with whoever I want, whenever I want, uh, with no consequences. That's what it comes mm-hmm. down to. And the politics was ripped my heart out because I'm reading this article, and it starts like this. A federal judge in Amarillo, Texas, and what are they, Matthew Kazmarek, and what does it say right after that? A Trump appointee. And then three paragraphs later says Judge Thomas Rice, here it is, an Obama appointee. So there, it's if you're on the right, hopefully you're going to be pro-life, hopefully, because nowadays that's not even true. And if you're on the left, you're going to be pro whatever the Democratic Party tells you to be. And so you're fighting not just with all the religious stuff, not all the personal, intimate stuff. You're fighting with the political stuff. And how do we get on that team? We, we need to be active. We need to be involved. How can my listeners be a part of what you're doing, what the Lozier Institute's doing? What can we do? Well, I think the biggest thing that most Americans need to do is educate themselves, because even in the pro-life movement for years, I still learn things every day that I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> you know, because, again, everything is just the information is suppressed. It's sugarcoated. The you, it's governed by euphemisms. Um, but the second is to is to support women. You know, every every community probably has a crisis pregnancy center. So volunteer, donate, um, just make make yourselves aware. It's not a political issue. It breaks my heart um, yep. that it has, it has been um, painted as such because surely the Democrats don't want to see women hurt like we're seeing yeah. hurt by chemical abortion pills. But even most of them don't know. They don't know. They think they're supporting women. If they knew how much damage it did to women. You mentioned mental health earlier. Records linkage, high quality studies in European countries tell us, that, you know what? A woman who has an abortion has six times the risk of committing suicide in the year following the abortion compared wow. to a woman who gave birth to her child. So not only does the woman who gives birth have a beautiful child. I mean, since when did children become something undesirable? You were mentioning men. The, the best thing we could tell men is that the most important thing they could do for themselves in society is to be a father to the children they Amen. create. If we if, if those things happened, we would we would turn the corner. Amen. And of course, turn back to God. You know, we're following the gods of, uh, uh, you know, uh, the old gods of uh, Canaan. So uh, if you've ever read Jonathan Kahn's book, it's so spot on. Uh, I'm first and foremost a child of God. Everything else is after that. And this is a God issue. God's uh, looking. God's watching. And yeah, it's going to cost you personally. It's cost you, doctor. I know it has. I'm sure it's cost you professionally. And I have the utmost respect for you. That's why when we got a, a little confused a couple of weeks ago, it broke my heart because you need to be heard. What you're doing is you're, you're saving lives. You're changing lives. You're changing eternities. And so how do they get, uh, how do they get a hold of Lozer Institute? Is there a website they can reach out to? Sure. It's uh, Lozier, L-O-Z-I-E-R. It's 
abortioninstitute.org. Um, like I say, at the top, there are it'll lead you to abortion drug facts, so a lot of information. But just peruse the whole website. We talk about maternal mortality. We talk about uh, many economic and social issues. So we really try to address it, but again, with hard data that you can point to yep. and say, this is not my opinion. This is what the research shows um, so that we Amen. can start making those arguments. Amen. Follow the science, but not political science. The real science. That's what you're saying. <laughs> awesome. All right, we're getting ready to end the show. Dr. Scott, thank you so much. God bless you. And if I could ever be used to help you in any way, Like It Matters Radio is available. You just let us know, okay? Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, Ingrid. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Okay, goodbye. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's one thing to be bothered by it. It's one thing to have a little tear. It's another thing to get in the game. Reach out. Be involved. Stand up for the unborn. Stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. That's how you live your life like it matters. And that's what I do on this radio show. I am Mr. Black. I am reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. You have been listening to Mr. Black, Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.